You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Each week, Chris and Mario welcome current NFL stars and discuss the biggest news from around the football world. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. I'm Chris Horwadell joined by Mario Hines. Mario, how's it going? I'm pretty good, pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really doing well. Sports are here. I watched uh, some iteration of NBA basketball over the last couple of days. It's weird, but it's also amazing that it exists. Uh, I'm told baseball debuts tonight. I guess I'll, I'll watch that just to uh, to see how it goes. I, we're about an hour away from that, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact. And uh, hockey is coming up on the f- August 1st, I believe. And then there's a little thing called the National Football League, and that is what we're here to talk about. And uh, there were some questions about exactly what that was going to look like this past weekend when a number of the NFL stars in a uh, coordinated effort posted out their concerns about the NFL's plan right now with the hashtag, we want to play. Yeah, I thought it was well orchestrated. Um, Didn't see it coming, but again, well orchestrated, and I think... It's getting the uh, the results that they they wanted. Um, the first tweet I saw was from Russell Wilson, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of just springboarded from there. And I think it was a it was a solid plan. And I mean to make it, to make everything transparent, what it, two two things obviously protects the players and, and gives us a, a a better chance at a full season, uh, whatever that looks like. And um, it allows fans to if they weren't feeling good about you know athletes being uh, having to play in this climate, at least you know. They, they can feel good about athletes being safer. Yeah, safer. I mean, we some stuff that's coming out with baseball today with Juan Soto of the Nationals is a little concerning because it's taking about two days for baseball to get their testing back. Soto tested negative on uh, Sunday or a couple of days ago, played a game in the meantime, and then tested positive immediately after. And uh, so he would have played that game having been positive Ah, this is just yep. football worries me, and there's all this. They put out these these new face shields that are apparently going to be up to the individual players whether they want to wear them. That that concerns me too. I feel like that should probably be mandatory. Right. I mean, if we've learned anything from you know the federal thing, that it should be you know mandatory uh, safety precautions. Everything should be streamlined, and everyone should be doing the same things. Um, but that that variable. That unknown of if a guy is play, is unknowingly carrying um, and plays a game, you know what yeah. what happens now. You know, does all hell break loose? So, you know, we're seeing snippets, and I don't know who's gonna have the best, you know, obviously the best process and protocol, but also the best PR to make this work for as long as possible when things like this pop up, and it's inevitable. Yeah, that's kind of the case, and I, you know, we had a. Uh... We had a a prominent figure in society, let's put it like that, say that wearing a face mask is a patriotic thing to do. I just feel like it would uh, it would have rung a little differently if 44 said wearing a face mask was patriotic rather than 45. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to it's going to be a polarizing thing uh, ongoing with how everyone is protecting themselves and how it trickles down to to the sports which is using a lot of resource to get get done what it's done so if it doesn't work 
you know, it's it's going to be really disheartening and, and, and maybe scary. Yeah, and God willing, all of this is 46's problem uh, <laughs> yeah. soon enough. But, yeah, this this was a really interesting thing, and I think it was telling for how exactly two sides can sort of publicly state their own positions but also do so in a manner that isn't overly aggressive and isn't overly sort of antagonistic. It's a far cry from what we saw in baseball with what happened with the NFLPA, the players, and the NFL. Right, right. And, and, and that's kind of the way, at least you have the, the map or the blueprint or, or a, a way to see it being done so that hopefully, you know, and it's it, historically, you know, I'm, I'm probably talking out of my ass to think that it could happen, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully, you know, the NFLPA and, and how the league is run in the front offices and uh, can f- come to terms and, and, and make it a smooth thing so that we can get this thing done, man, because right now, um, even, you know, kudos to the NBA and what they're doing. So yeah. hopefully NFL can can find its, its rhythm. Well, the, yeah, the NBA is doing great. The NBA has had zero positive tests within the bubble since July 13th. That is really as good a uh, outcome as you could hope for. I give a lot of credit to what the NHL has done, too. You know, they're starting up soon. They've got their own little bubble up there in Canada. And by the way, uh, credit to Canada specifically the city of Toronto, who said, hey, uh, this baseball plan's kind of stupid and the uh, the Blue Jays can't play here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it comes down, you know, to the bureaucracies of these actual places. And sometimes, you know, and I'm guilty of it. I forget that these are actual places of, of, of commune and these are real right. pla- These are real things going on and that the, the, the sports team is just a uh, piece of that. So, you know, Toronto and, and, and Canada is not having it. They they're really want to take this thing seriously, and sports aren't, aren't important enough, um, so to speak. So, yeah, that's an interesting thing in itself. Well, I don't think it's just so much that sports aren't important enough because we are getting the NHL bubble in Canada. I think it's more so that Major League Baseball's plan is flawed at best and dangerous at worst. And uh, I, they wouldn't be letting if the Toronto Argonauts were an NFL team, they also would not be playing home games this season. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting. But things did come from uh, come from all of the stuff on Twitter this past weekend. Very quickly too, uh, within the course of 24 hours, they announced that there would be daily testing in the NFL and that um, and that there would be no preseason games and. In addition to no preseason games, training camp rosters are going to be cut from 90 people to 80 people. So, mm-hmm. and I think this is uh, this has got to like hit you somewhere deep in in the gut. 320 people just lost the opportunity to make a football team. Right, and that we saw the impact of that. I think uh, across you know uh, football talent pools when they made that first cut from I think it was 110 to the 90 or 120 mm-hmm. to the 90 a while back it was actually the year I came out uh, that's why I'm so familiar <laughs> with it <laughs> and um yeah so like there's going to be some some hard decisions to be made and I think you know relationships especially now with uh all that there is to risk you know there's going to be relationships in any way you can you can make yourself uh, a commodity in the league is going to be important. So who knows how, how, and who knows what, what that's going to do for guys competing and you yeah. know, what are they willing to risk? Things like that is, is, is yeah. You know, the, I guess we should also address that a lot of stuff came out about Woody Johnson from the jets this week. And mm-hmm. I, I, the only reason I don't bring that up first is I just don't know enough about it to speak articulately on it right now. 
Uh, allegedly, he said some pretty horrible things, both racist and sexist. And uh, will there's there the uh, the verb Sterling has been uh, has been thrown out over the past couple of days. But I just I don't know enough about this situation, and I want to talk about it. But I want to talk about it when I know what I'm talking about. No, I appreciate that. Same here. I just know that the name's a buzz, and it's a buzz for. You know, unfortunately, a topic that is uh, starting to be, you know, a common thread and what we're, you know, trying to make sure is not acceptable. So, no, it's best to, to put our hands in our pockets until we, we know more. Absolutely. How big an impact do you think the fact that there's going to be no preseason games is going to have this year? So we've always, you know, it's a weird uh, thing to have to comment on this because um, if you pull up some recordings in the past you'll probably yeah. hear me saying at some point how the preseason doesn't matter but mm. alas <laughs> alas it does matter um in in the way that the way preseason games maybe were set up in the way the structure and everything could have been tweaked but um it is a it's that defining moment for a lot of guys um especially the the dress rehearsal game which is, was one game per preseason and then you got your your filling out rosters in the moments that you know help you decide and and without that um even training camp may seem a little bit weird for players because they don't have that moment to to look towards or that moment that you're building towards which helps break monotony of camp and and brings the best out of you sometimes let me ask a, for a bold prediction right now, because obviously the NFL has the right to employ the 17th game in coming seasons. Will we ever see more than two preseason games again? No, I think it's a way to eradicate it, but let's go with it. Let's go. Um, we're going to push it for two, uh, not under, not over, but we're going to hit a push for two because uh, it makes sense. You know, you, you want one one for the for the undrafted guys, one for your whatevers, and then one for, yeah. for the starters. And then and you get out of there clean, hopefully. And you still get to make yeah. a little money. Right. Yeah, there's something to be said about guys actually lining up next to each other and playing in a, a semi-meaningful you know, actual game that sort of matters before the, the season starts. I do, I do worry that we're going to have some real sloppy football early on. Yeah, and, and we know what sloppy football equals on top of you know being hard to watch. Sloppy football usually equals injury. So we've yeah. got to be careful with this stuff. Also, what in the world... Are the the Rams and the uh, the the Chargers uh, their shared hard knocks? What are they? What is that going to look like? I mean, it might be the most down to the minute. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, it's formatting for training camps or whatever that we've ever seen. They can't. Cro- there's no cross contamination whatsoever. So it's going to be interesting. It might make it. Um, you know, there, there's going to be a wealth of content. Interesting content. I don't know. But um, there's going to be a lot. Yeah, because I feel like every single Hard Knocks game, well, at least, you know, four of the five leads up to the game at the end. Yes. And we don't have that. So what's the end? How do you build excitement for the end of the episode? I think they're going to have to create the moment. They're going to and it's going to be, whoo, there's going to be probably some major misses, which will be worth talking about. But I mean, that one catch in practice is going to be a big deal now. Yeah. Well, speaking of major misses, I think we're going to see some major misses in roster construction this year because it just feels to me that it's going to be such an uphill climb for undrafted free agents to actually unseat guys who have been in the NFL at this point. Right. I mean, it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And, and for a lot of guys, it's going to be scary. And I think even for coaching staffs, I think they can't be as sure as they would be. Um, it, there has to be some anxiety attached to it. And that trickle down is going to affect what we see on Sundays. 
It's also going to be interesting to see how the economics of all this play out because the news came out last week that without fans in the stadium, the salary cap could drop by upwards of $70 million next year. And, you know, we're talking about essentially one third of the salary cap just lopped off. Every single team is going to be over the cap at that point. How do you like how do you even start to deal with that? I mean, we're going to see a lot of names, um, a lot of positions. If If you thought a position was starting to you know, uh, eradicate itself and dissolve from the league Mm -hmm. as far as importance, Um, you know, a a part of the game. You know, there may be even rules to – I mean, rule changes to to help, you know, make roster – roster sizes smaller or or just guys make less less important role players things like that. We're going to have to find creative ways, but it's going to pack a punch, and I think it might happen relatively fast. Yeah, well, there's been some talk about the uh, the quote-unquote cap smoothing where they would take these – the owners would essentially take these losses over basically a decade rather than a year, but the owners are very against this because they feel like at the end of the day, all they're doing there is providing interest-free loans to players uh, for, you know, just for the right to play on their football team. Yeah, and we all know how much the word "free" just makes uh, any owner of anything yes. uh, itch. <laughs> uh, well, I get the one thing that's still really a question here is how are how are positive tests going to be handled we saw yesterday uh, yesterday the day before uh, this every day is the same in my mind now as i <laughs> yeah. lose more and more sanity each and every day uh, we saw a couple of days ago that the initial report was that there were 95 players or per 95 people in the nfl i should say who tested positive for coronavirus that was quickly amended to 59 So less, but we don't know what's going to happen when a guy tests positive. It seems like he's a that guy basically goes on, you know, the commissioner's list, and the commissioner has the discretion to keep him out as long as he needs to. That's so strange. It goes like it's par for the course, though, for every everything the NFL does as far as laying in the hands of this Commander Goodell. Yes, and just let's see his good judgment, his best judgment, and. You know what he says goes, and it's uh, man, it's not gonna it's not gonna fare well when the wrong person is affected or uh, someone is infected that was not uh, expecting to be, or someone felt they were put in right. harm's way, and uh, it was because of this decision. So, uh, good luck with that. I, I don't see it. I don't see it being a good thing. No, there needs to be some degree of standardization because you know teams are gonna be pissed off about this. Yeah. You're a Lions fan. Let's say Kenny Galladay gets coronavirus, and he's Goodell keeps him out for two and a half weeks. And then, you know, you guys are you guys are set to play the Packers and Aaron Rodgers tests positive on on a, on a Monday and he's cleared by Sunday. Right. Like how's and how are you going to explain that and how are you going to calm me down? There's no way. Yes. There's no way you can get that bucket over my head to stop the flame <laughs> from coming out of my ears. So it's not. It's going to be a mess, and it's going to be another, you know, a PR disaster, media disaster for for Goodell and, and friends. Uh, the last thing I want to hit on before we do our defensive tackle rankings is uh, our old friend Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown posted on July twentieth that he is officially done playing football. On July twenty second, he said the NFL really needs to get on with the suspension because I'd like to play football. Which which Antonio do I believe? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> uh, no, I think we we know what Antonio it is. I just don't know why he feels the need that he needs attention by saying, "Oh, I'm done. I'm never gonna play again. You guys have wronged me." 
you know what it is with Antonio outside of obviously knowing what it is? It's that um, I think he sees a lot of what's going on with other players and how they're received. Um, and this may be a stretch, but, you know, with um, uh, uh, Michael Bennett um, retiring mm-hmm. and, get, you know, it, it, general favorite. And, and, and I, I have my, my things about why he's retiring. Obviously, it's a good time. Um, for his body plus what's going on may not be worth the risk and I just think Antonio is so going wherever the story is that he's gonna Mm -hmm. keep playing this dance it's it's getting ridiculous and as the game passes him by and as more of these receivers get into the league as much as I love his game and his skill set it's definitely becoming more and more clear like we won't even care it's not worth it you're not worth this yeah Antonio Brown turned 32 years old I guess a couple of weeks ago now so not not ancient by any stretch, but he's also not a 24-year-old anymore. There's a lot of talk that, you know, he was working out with Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson would like him on the Ravens. I don't know that uh, the Ravens coaching staff is going to be interested in that kind of distraction. But, you know, he's also worked out for for Seattle and Washington, and he's been he's been tied to a couple of other teams as well. So it seems to me that what probably happened is on the 22nd, yesterday, as of our recording this, somebody's like, hey, you know what? Maybe we would be interested in bringing you to camp. And he's like, hey, you know what? I do still want to play. Right. It's, it's, it's the game that, that no one really wants to play. But the, the, the sad also truth is that if, you, if you're working out with them, if you're any player or coach, whatever, that sees him working out at the mm. moment, you're going to want to you know, reach for that, uh, yeah. that cell phone and say, give me a call and let's see what we can do. So you know, that's where he stands. But he'll always find a way to erase any um, interest. So I think that's the yes. consistent. Yeah, he was unquestionably the star of Hard Knocks in yes. that, uh, that Oakland season. This, this really, and, and I, said it, I said this, I guess, I guess right around that Hard Knocks time, but this is starting to feel like T.O. all over again. And I, wow, this, is, this pains me to say, but I have to give so much credit to the Pittsburgh Steelers organization for like keeping a lid on how crazy he was, because we had this perception that oh Antonio Brown, you know he's a little bit of he's a little bit of his own person, but this is a hard worker. You know he shows up, he does the job. We had no idea what was going on. Yeah, just having a little fun, man. Just having a little fun on Sundays when he scores and stuff, and relatively a, a good teammate we thought as well. Yeah. So you know, yeah, kudos to them, and I think it might say more to how many characters they have or and have had over the years, <laughs> and mm-hmm. um and and just if um if Mike Tomlin's has a really really poor game management style, I think his uh personality management is is second to none, and that's that's no joke. I really think he's has done a good job with with personalities and talent levels and. That's a you know a testament to them because Antonio Brown has, but at one point Antonio Brown popped that bubble, you know as well. Yes, well, and he he did so by live streaming a uh, a post game celebration in the locker room. Yes, and uh, it was just kind of over there. We couldn't pretend like it wasn't a problem anymore, and now it's just utter insanity. And it's crazy to think like the group of wide receivers that the Patriots had a couple of years ago at one point, and Demarius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, it's all these things that we forget. But look at that list again, and it's like, um, if you look at the calendar when they were all together, you can understand why it's like poof, poof, goodbye. Yeah. Well, and we saw, I guess we saw yesterday the the viral post from uh, Terrell Owens allegedly yes. running a four four forty. So this is just 
this is a look into Brown's future. This is we're just going to have to deal with and stuff for Antonio Brown for you know once every month, once every couple of months for I guess the next decade if we're going on to time. Absolutely, it's, <laughs> and, and it's expedited I think just because of how fast information and how quickly you can just put up a impressive looking physical specimen video and have it uh have a few uh, annoying talking points and it'd be a thing we we're talking about. Look, I'm not questioning Owens. Owens is, you know, in terms of keeping himself in incredible shape, few human beings on this planet do as good a job as Terrell Owens does. But I also could put out a video that looks like I ran a 4440 as long as I sped it up a, a reasonable amount. Absolutely. I, I don't know that I believe he actually ran a 44. And I'm going to take that one step further and say I don't believe there's even a chance he ran a 44. No, not a chance. And I think um, having Tyreek in the video with him and I think having friends of his timing or whoever these people are um, yeah. was no coincidence. You know, and, and it's part of. We, like you said, I'll, I'll pat you on the back. We never doubted your work ethic and ability to stay in shape for right. however long you're going to be alive. But uh, football <laughs> is behind you, and, and speed, as, as much as you are an explosive guy, come on, man, don't try to sell me on the speed thing. Yeah, get back to the driveway, do some sit-ups, and let us move on with our lives. <laughs> exactly. And let's move on with the show. Let's do our defensive tackle rankings for this week, uh, you know, as we do every week. We're going to take a bunch. You're going to let me know if they deserve further consideration. Then we're going to sort them into tiers. Mm -hmm. And let's start with number 30 on our list of NFL defensive tackles. From the New York football Giants defensive tackle, Dalvin Tomlinson. 16 games last year, three and a half sacks, basically a run stuffer. Yeah, I mean, he he does his job well. Um, Took him a while to come around as far as consistently. um, But a young guy, so I think um, he's going to rise up this list as he continues to, to frustrate teams, um, don't want to add him to, to consideration just yet. Absolutely fair. Let's move on with uh, number 29 on our rankings here from the Los Angeles Rams, defensive tackle Sean Robinson in 2019. 13 games, one and a half sacks. And again, this is a guy who's moved all over the line. He's played on, he's played five tech. He's played inside. He's just, he's a defensive lineman. Right, he is, and I mean, it's a guy that I, I was waiting to see if uh, he would learn from, you know, some of the decent linemen he, we've had around him uh, yeah. the past four years. I mean, decent player, um, and, and his body and his work ethic will always make him a uh, quality uh, player to have on the roster, but I don't think he strikes fear, uh, and I actually don't see his, his trajectory shooting up. Even though he's fairly young, I think he is who he is right now, so I'm going to keep him off the list. Yeah, I don't think he's been as interesting a name since he was a sophomore at, uh, right. at Alabama. Going into that, going into that last season, where it's like, oh, this guy, everything clicks. He could be a top five pick. Well, it didn't. He was only okay. He was picked in the middle of the second round, and in the NFL, he's been only okay. Yeah, exactly. Moving on. Uh, as soon as this will move on, this here's <laughs> a name we know from a team that we detest: the Dallas Cowboys. Defensive tackle Gerald McCoy in 16 games in 2019. McCoy had five sacks for the Carolina Panthers. McCoy suddenly a journeyman. Yeah, it's weird, man, because he was obviously like top three at the position for such a long time. Um, and for that alone, you can you can just start to copy and paste. I'm going to honor his career. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that he's a has to get accustomed to being in different systems. Carolina was just a hard place to be, so I do want to give Gerald the benefit of the doubt. So we'll she, see where it shakes out. Um, he might have a, a resurgence, so to speak, uh, relative relatively in, in Dallas. So 
Hard for me to support a cowboy, but I have always liked Gerald McCoy, and I like McCoy even more because if you look back a couple of years ago, he was asked who the better quarterback was, Dak Prescott or Carson Wentz, and his answer was Carson Wentz. So that's a weird one for him in the locker room right now, but really his problem and not mine. Up next, uh, the talk about talk about run stuffers. This may be the run stuffer in the National Football League, currently a free agent. Snacks Harrison, which is weird because this is a guy who's been a pro bowler. I believe maybe even a pro bowler last year. Uh, 6'3", 350 as a Detroit Lion last season. 15 games and two sacks. I think he's a victim of uh, what was going on in Detroit, uh, not so much his play. I think he was uh, as, a, as amazing as you can be uh, consider all, considering all things. Um, so definitely want to toss him on the list. And I'm surprised he's so low here. Okay, so not a pro bowler last year, but... It's he, he wasn't all pro at one point in 2016, and uh, I will I will stand by my wrong answers. <laughs> up up next uh, from the uh, Miami Dolphins, Clemson product Christian Wilkins in 2019, his rookie campaign, 16 games, two sacks, and I really wish this site listed tackle numbers. I know, but no. Um... The reason why I know about Christian Wilkins', Wilkins uh, rookie year, which, you know, the bar, you know, that bar that I'm trying to find consistent and trying to measure it with the tackles, maybe a little bit yeah. different. Um, the kids, one is a hard worker. He was actually trained by a buddy of mine. Uh, he's, hmm. he's from, yeah, he's from the uh, uh, Western Mass area. So, um, yeah, he, he, he he's looked at pretty, pretty highly in that organization. I don't think um, he's ready to be mentioned with the top guys just yet, but it might, this might be the year that does it. Um, so, you know, I'll give him I'll, I'll, I'll give him another year to grow, but but I'm looking forward to seeing what he becomes in the league. Well, his teammate up next, Davin Godshaw, in 2019, 16 games, two sacks, and I remain uh, sad that this site doesn't list. Uh, we're using Fantasy Pros, and they do not list tackles. <laughs> no, I mean uh, David Godshaw. I'm not gonna lie to you, um, not. Not my favorite of the two, uh, for uh, obvious reasons. Sure. Um, but um, clearly a quality player. I think he benefited from the, the drafting of, of Christian, and, and oh, uh, sure. that makes me want to hold him off just yet. Yeah, and, and, and I don't see him, him rising that fast. But quality player, you know, LSU is putting him out. I just don't think um, he's going to be who they rely on, obviously. Yeah, really wasn't thought of all that highly at LSU. He was kind of one of those depth picks in the middle rounds and he's turned into serviceable player but certainly not a great one uh Vita Vea up next man when will we learn to stop drafting these guys <laughs> as highly as we do 64 347 run stuffer from Washington in uh, 2019 16 games two and a half sacks but that's not what he's here for he's here to clog clog the middle and take up blockers yeah, he does that. He doesn't do that as well as they would have thought, um, especially in Tampa the past two years. Um, the run defense hasn't been, um, you know, as good as dominant as they would like. <laughs> good is a good word, and that's the reason why they let go of McCoy. Um, and now they're seeing maybe it wasn't his fault. Um, so, you know, with these run stoppers, you're going to really have to disrupt uh, to, to make this list um, and, and to be a nuisance, and, and Vita's not that. I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, this list may just end up being a top 10 list with, yeah. <laughs> the, with the way this is going. We, we shall see. But up next, well, I, a run stuffer with some athletic ability from the uh, Arizona Cardinals now, Jordan Phillips. 
Phillips played in 16 games for the Bills last year. Nine and a half sacks playing all over the defensive line. Yeah, I was going to say that. Don't let the nine and a half sacks fool you. It was a great stat no matter where you are on the D-line. I'm kind of a tweener um, because we don't have any other ways to rank him as we did the D-end yeah. um, last time. I'm going to put him on the list, but... You know, it's, again, it's kind of unfair to those to those run stuffers or the traditional DNs that that are there to do both, yeah. like your Gerald McCoys. Well, I guess the thing about Phillips, though, while he positionally he's a little bit of a tweener, physically he is not. This right. is this, this is a giant human being in the vein of like a John Henderson back in the day, or a, who who was next to Henderson in that Jaguars defensive line? Oh man, uh, it was another just superstar who I'm yes, embarrassed. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna look it up too. It's, it's going to drive me crazy because, I mean, like, if I remember correctly, like, all pro-level player. Yes, yes, two absolutely and, dominant tackles before um, teams were doing that. And he was the guy, rather than Henderson, who I would prefer, yes. I would compare Jordan Phillips to. We got it. We have to know this. I feel like things just are at a standstill until yes. we do. I'm going John Henderson NFL, going back to these Jaguars yep, teams. look at the uh... – yeah. Henderson's still only 41. By the uh, you know what? I take it back. I was comparing him to John Henderson. Henderson 67335. Right. I feel good about guy, that. Uh, hold on. I'm with you. I'm with you. We are this is the fun part of the show where people Google things. Yes. We have uh Marcus Stroud's there, but that's not who we're looking at. No. It's this must have been a earlier. Yeah, I mean, this is all the way back in. I'm back in 2004 at this point. Yeah, and that's the best. The, and I have I have Stroud again, who again was made the Pro Bowl in 2004. So they they kept their defensive tackle play up, and Stroud again made the Pro Bowl in 2003. Apparently, I have. No, it wasn't. I I underrate Marcus Stroud. Like, apparently, that's what we're learning here. Uh, and Stroud, good again. And in a one, Henderson was there, but I'm gonna be really upset if it was Stroud because at what point? Like, at what point do we just does this stop? Uh, where is, Gary Walker was there before that, and that's not who we're talking about. But where I don't even see Henderson on that list, right. so it may have been. It may have been Marcus Stroud, but that just does not feel right to that me. That didn't feel right at the time. I mean, Henderson, he was outplaying Henderson for a little bit. That's why I'm very surprised yeah. that it's Stroud. It seems like it may have actually been Marcus Stroud. Because now, you know, we're back here in... I'm back here in, like, 99, and we're talking about Gary Walker yep. and Seth Payne being the defensive tackle. So, uh, apologies to Marcus Stroud. Is what we're yeah, kudos to you, my friend. But, and that... <laughs> And that heck of a career you had, buddy. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving on from Jordan Phillips and that uh, that embarrassment. Oh, another Alabama defensive tackle. Quinnen Williams, the number three pick in 2019. 13 games, two and a half sacks, and just had a felony charge dismissed today. So reason for reason for celebration yeah, for Quinnen. Celebration, Quinn. yeah, maybe that, you know. But um, no, nothing but upside for Quinnen. Not there yet, but uh, he didn't show me anything. Once when I was paying attention, he didn't mm-hmm. show me anything that I, I could have thought was um, bust material. So obviously not an outstanding rookie year to jump on this list, but um, I expect him to be the nuisance that uh, that will get you on the list. Up next from the New England Patriots defensive tackle from Arizona State, Lawrence Guy. Talk about a player 
who made the most of his career, 233rd pick overall by Green Bay back in the day. In 2019, 16 games, three sacks, an interception, and two fumbles recovered. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, um, I first saw him start to play football this past year, you know. (laughs) So (laughs) with New England, you know, he wasn't getting a lot of reps um, prior, or at least not reps that I was paying attention to. Yeah, um, quality guy. I, I, nothing that's that flashed for me. So, you know, for my list, I'm gonna have to keep him off. All right. Up next, well, and another one of those run stuffers who has never quite lived up to his draft position. Mm-hmm. And man, I was excited about this one when it happened. Number twelve overall pick by the Cleveland Browns, Danny Shelton, now a Detroit Lion, a Patriot in 2019, 16 games, three sacks for Shelton. Yeah, I mean, a fun fact for Danny Shelton, he actually um, was one of the nonprofits that I consult, consulted for in 2018. He did a um, toy drive uh, okay. for for the the participants, um, for some of the participants in the, in the children. So good for Danny, good guy, um, underachiever. Uh, hopefully, we'll see what he does with the Lions uh, again. Um, run stuffer with that's supposed to be able to disrupt uh, passing lanes as well, and just yeah. haven't seen it. So, um, gotta have to keep him off the list. Yeah, such a weird player because at Washington, they kicked him out and had him play defensive end, and he was rushing the passer and getting and causing havoc at defensive end in mm-hmm. that scheme, and that pass rush just never came. It turns out Pac-10 or Pac-12 uh, offensive lines are not as good as NFL offensive lines. I know you're going to have to do your, you know, re-up that analysis every now and then, but it is confirmed. <laughs> it is shocking. Uh, all right. Well, up next from the Los Angeles Rams, defensive tackle Michael Brockers, a guy who is uh, in an interesting career. 2019, 16 games, three sacks. How do you feel about Michael Brockers? I like Michael Brockers' game. He's he's disrupts more than his numbers say. I, I think, I mean, looking at it now, earlier in his career, he was getting to the quarterback at the tackle position. Um, but continues to 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 use. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna go with the cliche veteran savvy. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. not as uh, athletic as he used to be, but he still flashes for me. Um, and one of the guys I thought was um, from the LA Rams that was gonna get some money uh, once they let uh, let some of those higher profile guys go. So definitely want to talk yeah. to him on the list. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's. Uh, and by the way, I'm gonna. I have to find a new website next week because if we don't have tackles for linebackers, something is very wrong. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, Linvel Joseph, the next player on our list, the 31-year-old defensive tackle from the Los Angeles Chargers. In 2019, Joseph played 13 games and he had the magic number of three sacks at the defensive tackle position. I remember when Joseph was drafted and I, I, I liked his game. I thought I would see more out of him, um, especially being in a conference that you can you can make a name you know, against a running pass, sure. um, so to speak, and... and, and He's had a good career, not a great one, uh, and so I don't want to put him on a top top list. But he's, he's, uh, you know, I like him. I just don't think he's been as good as he needs to be. Fair enough. Up next from the Carolina Panthers, defensive tackle Kwan Short. Got some football players here. Yeah. Twenty nineteen Short. Well, didn't really produce. Was hurt. Played two games. No sacks. But the uh, the career speaks for itself. Yeah, I mean Short's a, a top level defensive tackle. We want to throw him on the list. Um, actually, didn't realize how hurt, uh, that he that he was hurt and missed so many games uh, with that uh, the Carolina the great fall in Carolina. So, um, but definitely want to honor him because he's 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 good to have on your defensive line. Yeah, remembered he got hurt. Had no idea that he missed fourteen of sixteen games. But uh, 
you know, we're, we're here to learn, too. Up next <laughs> from the Indianapolis Colts, Denico Autry, uh, also known as Denico, potentially, in 14 <laughs> games for the Colts last season, three and a half sacks and nothing else. Yeah, I mean, he must be doing his job if he's going to be rated this highly. I haven't seen anything from him um, to make me, you know, warrant, you know, a top D lineman in the league. So I'm going to have to leave him off, unfortunately. Well, shots fired. I'm, <laughs> deci- I'm, call- I'm going with Denico Autry. Go for it. Up next, uh, from the Tennessee Titans, defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons. Simmons started the year hurt, came back, played nine games, two sacks. I don't know if you, you noticed, but Jeff Simmons was um, not a key part in what the, the Titans were doing at, near the end of that season, but he started to find a rhythm um, mm-hmm. and got his name mentioned a good amount of time. So, uh, again, a rookie that um, maybe we'll, we'll be able to fill out this list with guys that are, that are starting to you know, uh, dominate the league and cause, cause havoc. So uh, hopefully we we're able to toss him on next year when we do this. Yeah, Simmons a guy who drew a lot of Fletcher Cox comps coming out of college, but... Obviously, there were some issues that kept him off the field early. Well, up next, Cox's new teammate yeah. from uh, formerly of the Pittsburgh Steelers, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. This was a shock when I saw this was the Eagles' big signing of the offseason, but <laughs> here we are in, tw- in uh, 16 games in 2019. Hargrave had four sacks. I mean, wore out his welcome in Pittsburgh, but did his job and did it well, um, especially in that scheme. Um, and I was always impressed with them, and I was pretty uh, pissed off about it just because Pittsburgh seems to do that uh, pretty often. So, yeah, toss him on the list. <laughs> well, I don't, more than more than wearing out his welcome, I think he outpriced himself in Pittsburgh. Yeah. He turned into one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL, and Pittsburgh just wasn't about to spend that kind of money at the position given uh, their other needs. But, you know, here we are. Now Philadelphia has Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, and Javon Hargrave on the interior. Up next from the Seattle Seahawks, Defensive tackle Jerron Reed, another Alabama player. Turns out Alabama produces some defensive linemen. In 2019, Reed had played 10 games, two sacks. That comes after a 2018 where he had 10 and a half sacks. Yeah, I mean, Jerron Reed, even last year, uh, don't be mistaken by the numbers, even last year, a, a key reason to why um, Clowney's able to do what he does in that defensive line. Um, and that defense in general was uh, was impressive early on. Uh, so definitely want to toss him on the list, and I expect to bounce back with numbers as he gets more opportunities again. Um, but really, really, really good player. Up next from the Washington Redskins, how about this? An Alabama defensive lineman, Deron no Payne in uh, 15 games in 2019, Payne, two sacks. Where are the interceptions? Where are the fumbles recovered by defensive tackles? Come on. Come on, D lineman. Get on the ground. Get in the dirt. S- how about playing a touchdown? Pretty. We haven't seen any touchdowns Come on. yet. Playing pretty, man. No, um, and also they're the Washington football team. Oh, I uh, apologize. I today. apologize. That's I meant to talk about that earlier, but I completely <laughs> forgot. Yeah, no, I, I apologize. The uh, Deron Payne of the Washington football team. Such a weird situation going on there. Um, Deron Payne. Um, I mean, the name actually is bigger for me uh, than the production. Um, and yeah. I think that may be a cause for his name being so high on the list. I mean, we're expecting, you know, quality, uh, quality play from him and, and maybe we'll get it, but not a top tier, top tier defensive line play. So I'm going to keep him off. I'm next from the Cleveland Browns defensive tackle, Larry Ogan Joby in 2019. Ogan Joby played 15 games, had five and a half sacks, but here's the thing about Ogan Joby. I don't know if you're familiar with this story. He was a fat kid. Oh, wow. And and he has like you know, got bullied. He the first time he played high school, he wasn't even able to like run around without getting tired. 
took his health seriously and every single time you see this guy he is a workout warrior every time you see him it seems like he's lost a little more weight and put on a little more muscle and i have some genuine fears that he is going to work his way out of the defensive tackle position at some point yeah he could i mean i think it would be one of those things that might benefit him obviously price wise but his play i was gonna say i didn't even know this story so yeah kudos to you larry but um, I mean, you know, aside from the numbers, he's the the right things that are happening in Cleveland. Um, and he, he's one of those guys that that makes them exciting and in uh, a strong defense. So definitely one of the top guys in the league uh, to me, from what I see and what um I think what opponents uh, set up when they play against them. Mario, that is a defensive tackle. Jeez. <laughs> no, kudos to Jeez. Oh, peace. Yeah, good job, bro. My that God. is what I'm looking at is a a ball of muscle yes. working out. What? Like is that? Do you see what I'm saying now about playing himself out of the defensive yeah, tackle he, position? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he he's gonna be he's gonna be moving outside. He might even stand up at some point. Jesus. Oh my! But yeah, that's uh, good for you. He's got certainly yeah. got a career as a personal trainer later in life right. if that right. this whole You'll football thing me. doesn't work out. <laughs> uh, where where do we land on Ogunjobi? Oh yeah, we're adding him. I think that is entirely fair. All right. Uh, I was not paying attention as I was looking for Larry Ogunjobi workout videos. That's fine. Up next, from the uh, Buffalo Bills, defense tackle Ed Oliver in uh, his rookie campaign in 2019. Oliver, 16 games, five sacks. Ed Oliver's next up, man. I uh, I don't want to put yeah. him on the list yet. He's next up. He's everything that's advertised. So, uh, and, a, and a big reason why Buffalo um, is, is uptrending. So uh, just be on the lookout. Yeah, a guy who you hate to you hate to compare anyone to somebody like Aaron Donald, but if anybody deserves that kind of comp, it's probably Ed Oliver. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it was starting to it was starting to creep up. I think uh, people squashed that fire pretty quickly for the reasons why you're mentioning, but it started to pop up. All right, up next from the Cincinnati Bengals defensive tackle Geno Atkins, suddenly the 32 year old wow. Geno Atkins. In 2019, 16 games for the Bengals. Oh my God, hasn't missed a game since 2013. Four and a half sacks for Atkins. Um, one of the best defensive tackles we've seen in, in, um, in, in, our, in our generation. I mean, yeah. I don't know if he'll be a Hall of Fame guy, but, you know, perennial pro I think bowler. so. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and, 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 yeah, obviously on the list. Up next, from the 2018 Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, <laughs> Big Fletch. In, uh, in 2019, Fletcher Cox, 16 games, three and a half sacks, and a fumble recovered. Look at there these. Look go. at these fumble recovered numbers. Every year you got fumbles recovered by Fletcher. No, I mean, seriously speaking, teams started to look for their Fletcher Cox. Um, yeah. And that's the impact that he's had uh, and he continues to have at the position. So obviously one of the best in the league. Add him to the list. Yeah, he uh, struggled a little bit with the actual sack numbers last year because he was playing through an injury but did not miss a game because of it, and that's just uh, who Fletcher Cox is. Up next from the Green Bay Packers, defensive tackle Kenny Clark. So, man, I forget how young he was when he came into the NFL. Mm -hmm. Still only 24. In 2019, Clark played 16 games, had six sacks. He's only getting better, so I'm going to throw him on the list. He's not there yet, but he's only getting better, so... Uh, we'll see how he, sh- how he shakes out on this list, but yeah, it, I mean, I I have to. My team has to deal with them twice, twice a week, and it's annoying. Yeah, twice not there week, yet, but already. Oh, oh yeah, twice a week would be rough. Um, <laughs> not there yet, but he's already awfully good. 
Yes, he's only getting And how one of the the best football players who people don't talk about being an absolute superstar football player up next from the Atlanta Falcons defensive tackle Grady Jarrett, the 27-year-old posted uh, seven and a half sacks and in 16 games last year. So let's talk about the narrative shifting so that I can finally, you know, speak high, more highly of Atlanta. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the defense and what they're doing, what they're putting together, you know, from yeah. from the front line to the to the back end. Some of these quality young guys, like you said, Grady Jarrett doing playing football, playing football at a high level. Add him to the list. Yeah, it's always nice when you find a guy like Grady Jarrett in the middle of the fifth round. That really mm-hmm. helps the defense. Uh, up next, a uh, guy who just got paid eighty four million dollars, exact uh, to be exact. From the Kansas City Chiefs, Chris Jones in 2019. Jones had nine sacks and one fumble recovered in 13 games. Yeah, when you land one, you land one, um, and Chris Jones is one. Uh, and he's in the perfect you know, situation with how, how high a motor he has um, mm-hmm. and what the offense does. It's a perfect pace for, for getting, you know, having the offense you're playing against, if you're Chris Jones, be unsettled trying to keep up. It's the perfect scenario, and he's taking advantage of it. He's one of the best. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Number two on our list from the now Indianapolis Colts defensive tackle DeForest Buckner. He's one of our, our classic tweeners on these kind of lists, but listed as a defensive tackle for our purposes here in 2019 in San Francisco in 16 games and seven and a half sacks and another guy who just got paid this offseason. Oh, and by yeah, the way, I mean, found- four fumbles recovered. That's actually a crazy, crazy stat. Um, found a home in Indy uh, in, in San Francisco. He made a name. Um, it took me a minute to come around on him as he started to, especially yeah. um, two years ago. Um, I really wanted to see him follow through. And this year, this past year in 2019, he did it. He did with exactly that. So add him to the list for sure. I blame Eric Armstead for that because I view them as basically the same person, given that they played next to each other on that interior off, uh, defensive line in Oregon. And mm-hmm. and when I, when Armstead underperformed early, I feel like I lumped Buckner into that group as well. But obviously, Buckner's been good for a couple of years now. Yeah, I think uh, I, number one. I think that's fair. Sorry, go ahead. Number no, one's so a guy I think named that's Aaron fair. Donald. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about it that way, but probably. <laughs> yeah, one is a guy named Aaron Donald, Mario. Uh, we don't even. <laughs> he should. <laughs> he is the position. <laughs> Throw him. I mean, watch what we do with this tearing. If you, if you want yeah. to even introduce Aaron Donald like that, watch what we do with this tier list. Yeah, no, it's uh, 12 and a half sacks in 16 games following 20 and a half sacks in 2018. Ridiculous. Just just absurd numbers. He's, he's, he's pretty good. Uh, he's all right, let's, good. let's get this, these ranked. Do you want to go, you want to go tiering? Or you want to go rankings? Uh, we can go rankings because um, okay. it'll be about the same. All right. With let's, this list. So, I mean, let's see it. Number one is obviously Larry Ogunjobi, yeah. right? <laughs> Let's go one Aaron Donald. Okay, I think that's fair. Yeah, I think a little bit. Keep going. Tell me this list. Yep, yep. two, I'm going to go Chris Jones. All right, Chris Jones, well-deserved. Yeah. Yeah. Three, I'm going to go um, Fletcher Cox. Fletch, I, I probably agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Four, I'm going to go Buckner. Okay, DeForest Buckner, number four. Five, I'm going to go uh, Atkins, actually. All right, Gino Atkins gets the I'm Always Good award. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, then we're going to go uh, Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett, number six. Yeah. We're going to go uh, Jerron Reed. Jerron Reed, number seven. Kenny Clark. Kenny Clark, number eight. Let's go uh, Kawan Short. Kawan Short, number nine. And finally, number ten. Larry Ogunjobi. Ogun, number ten. I'm insulted by Javon Hargrave not being number one. I'm going to put him there honorably. But uh, other than, you know what, I'm going to, uh, this does need to be adjusted just a little bit. No offense to you, but Fletcher's no, no, no. going to be one. Aaron Donald's going to be number two. Then there's yeah. a, I mean, uh, Fletcher's one. Hargrave is number two. And then there's a giant tier. And then Aaron yeah. Donald. Oh, you know what, I'm going to write in Malik Jackson. There you go. There you go. Because that would solve the tier gap, I think. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you probably got it pretty close to right there. This is a. Uh, this is a group where, and we talked about this last week, there's one guy and then there are five or six guys who could be in that next slot. So good group yeah. of defensive tackles right now and uh, a good show, my friend. That's going to be it for this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the linebackers and perhaps exactly what the plan is for the NFL to get into training camps because we're not sure yet. Until then, I've been Chris Horwardell. He's been Mario Hines. We thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.